Ciao, Bella. I am Ronnie and Ryan, love and cosmic coach, and this is the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit. Tune into the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and click the bell to subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. I offer listeners cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, psychic, intuitive, or card readings, or learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today with an Akashic Records reading. Learn more at nevertoolate.biz. May good fortune and magic come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. In this episode of the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast, I'm speaking with Angel Johnstone. She's an erotic author with a number one bestseller on Amazon. Her brand of female-centric erotica and her group coaching work promote increased confidence in women by tapping into their most underutilized power source, desire. It is her belief that women lead best when they can own their full power, and a part of that power is their sexuality. Many women find themselves in midlife searching for that lost power as they have turned off in order to get through hectic days with kids and spouses and parents and coworkers, all looking for support and nurturing. Women that learn to turn passion back on and explore their deep desires with wild abandon are the ones thriving and leading the way. Angel also writes short stories, runs online adult toy business, and teaches classes on pleasure, intimate connection, money mindset, and feminine confidence both in and out of the bedroom. Welcome, Angel. Thank you for having me. Sounds amazing. I'm so excited to talk to you about these things. Let's first talk about, you said, my gift is liberation. So let's talk about that a little bit. That's a great way to open things up. I meet women all the time that feel stifled, that feel like they are living someone else's life, that somehow they ended up on a path that wasn't what they expected, whether that be motherhood or career or family, any of the facets that that women now occupy in our spaces. They just don't feel authentic to themselves and they're not sure what to do about it. And so the liberation comes from really getting clear about what they desire instead right? A lot of times it's not, you know, I want to win a million dollars or I don't think anyone would turn it down. Really, it's about (laughs) my life doesn't look the way I had envisioned it. And so how the hell did I get here? And so the liberation comes from saying, understanding that somehow we've walked down a path and we're like, oopsie, this isn't where I ended up wanting to be. And how do I liberate myself from that reality, right? Because we're in it and we have responsibilities. And so how do I make space for myself within that structure that I've somehow created to make room for me to move to the new structure of what I'm like consciously creating? The liberation is, would you say it's a move towards living with more passion? Definitely. And it's a, it's a move towards living with more honoring one's own desires instead of constantly catering to everyone else's desires, right? Which as women, we are socially kind of told that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. What would you say is the key to living with more passion? 
part of it, I think, is giving ourselves space mentally, emotionally, and often physically to really get in touch with what I call the inner bad girl. Uh People have called it that too. Kind of like the angsty teenager, kind of like the, you know, if you've watched the movie Cruella, great example of personifying your inner bad girl. And she knows a lot right? Like that part of us that is like, this is not right. And I would like to scorch the earth and, and, and make everything different. She has something inside of us to teach us. And a lot of times we just tamp her down because she's a little wild, right? But sometimes we, we just need to listen. What does she have to say? What's not right? And, and she'll tell you, she knows. I mean, she's ready to go on a rant about it at any minute. But a lot of times we just be playing the good girl, right? We're always playing the good girl. We always want to please everyone, make everyone okay make everything happy, sunshines and roses and unicorns and rainbows, but that is not real. And so real is tapping into the part of ourselves that is like, no, this is not okay. And I'm not okay with it. And so I want to do something different and just giving ourselves license to even say that out loud. I think permission is the key. Give yourself permission. Not from anyone else, not from anyone else, from ourselves. From yourself, giving yourself permission to at least explore other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Walk on the wild side. What was the name of that guy? The song was Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed. That's a throwback. Not that I'm dating myself. We're dating ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how do women get in touch with that part? If you're terrified of taking the lid off because you don't know what's going to happen and you're afraid of that, like how do you get from A to B if you're terrified of that release? That's exactly why I put the course together that I'm, that I'm working on right now, the Desire into Destiny. That is walking you through the process of not only uncorking the bottle, right? Taking the genie out of the bottle, yeah. uh, but also like holding onto the cork. Like you're still in control, right? It's still you. The teenager inside of you is, you know, raging and crazy and, you know, wants to scream at everyone, but like, but that that's still part of you. And so it's really, it's almost like an integration of the energies that we have with inside, inside of ourselves. So it's not that you're never going to be able to get control of it, but yes, it is scary. It's incredibly scary to be like, I'm going to be this anti-me, right? Which really isn't the anti-me because you've been acting all along, right? So if everything you've ever done is to please everyone else, then part of you is acting 24 seven. There's part of you that's a show for other people's benefit. And so when we take the genie out of the bottle, we take the lid off the jar and we let out our angsty teenager, bad girl. That's the part of us that we've been repressing in order to please everyone else, right? She's not a full character any more so than who we are presenting is a full character, right? So it's not, that's not all you just as today is, you know, how you present in your happy rainbow situation is all you. So there's always, you always have an element of control. And in the, in the course, I do a lot of um, EFT uh, tapping exercises about you are in control of this. You get to write the script of your life. You can control how you communicate this. Like just because there's inside of you or somebody's like, ah, that isn't, isn't good. doesn't mean you have to go and attack everyone else around you, right? There's a <laughs> difference between I'm not okay with what's happening and let me take it out on everyone around me, right? There's, those, that's not the same thing. Basically what I've done is created a structure where it's safe to come out of your shell a little bit, let the bad girl out, do a bunch of writing prompts and, and you can do spoken word into your phone or into a word document too. Any way that you can maybe p- p- poke a pinhole in the top of the bottles, <laughs> let some of the pressure out 
(laughs) and then start to be able to integrate like, okay, I'm really integrating who I would like to be, what I would like to see all of the desires that I have been repressing. I want to like start moving towards those. And how do I communicate that safely in a world that's used to me being a people pleaser or a good girl or a mom or a daughter or whatever role it is that we're not being fully integrated. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of that movie with Madonna desperately seeking Susan. (laughs) I don't know. Did you see that? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so Roseanne Arquette, the other character, and she kind of takes over Madonna's character. And, you know, she's this very calm, conservative New Jersey housewife Mm -hmm. who goes off the rails and starts living this incredibly bohemian Greenwich Village, New York lifestyle with (laughs) all the great costuming that Madonna was famous for in the 80s. And to watch her open up and become herself and deal with all kinds of wacky stuff that happened as a result. So, so that's really interesting. Absolutely. That's a good, yeah. a good analogy. Yep. <laughs> How did you get to this place of doing this work? I have been working with women in confidence and specifically confidence in the bedroom for a long time. I was a in-home representative for an adult toy company. And so I would go do parties with women and talk about, you know, how to bring the romance back into their lives and how to pick the right products, whether that be a massage oil over here or a toy over there, or even lingerie. Um, We sold lingerie as well. And so I've been talking with women for over a decade about how to bring confidence, especially bodily confidence into their life. And I kind of morphed into talking more about the relationships itself and why do we get stuck in relationships and why do we not feel appreciated by our spouses or our partners? And how do we undo that? How do we feel sexy again after kids? Like there's just so many conversations (laughs) over a decade of that kind of work that you start realizing there's themes here and the themes all come back to confidence level where you have some very, very dynamic, powerful women who are incredibly confident in now a work environment, right? Because women have been working for many years and and they go to school and they get great jobs. They're very confident at what they do. But somehow, like we've lost confidence in our other side, right? Our non-work side. Like, how do I be a confident parent? How do I be a confident lover? How do I be a confident friend even? And how do I operate in my family with confidence? Because a lot of us come from trauma. It's really interesting that the sex and that part of it, the salacious part of what I do, which is, you know, really marketing to get people interested in what I talk about, it really comes down to that personal power and that personal confidence within to give yourself credit for where you are. And also that you continue to learn that you can grow and learn more about yourself and then integrate that into who you are as a person as you go out into the world. So it really all comes back to confidence. What I find so interesting is that certainly our society has loosened up a lot since the 70s, we'll say, Mm -hmm. when things were starting to really, in the 60s, when things were starting to really loosen up. And you know, now when you're just watching a regular network TV show, there's always some sex scene. They're not showing everything, but men and women, they show a whole range of things. And then of course, with all of the not network TV, see everything. So here we have less restrictions in the visual stimuli And yet we're still finding that people are restricting themselves, give themselves permission or feel comfortable in those roles. But what do you think is going on about so many people are watching porn and then we have 
the other end of the spectrum where people are still feeling limited. Yeah. Well, I wish porn wasn't what they were watching, honestly. <laughs> well, I, I know I have an opinion about porn too, but you know. Yeah. Not, not to say that all porn is bad because it, it's not, but um, I do think that, you know, it's a, an industry that historically has been dominated by men and it's not built for women. Most television is dominated by men and not built for women. I think we're seeing a shift now, you know, women like Shonda Rhimes, who've been amazing uh, in terms of like in network TV, you know, coming up with shows yeah. that are very good for women, I think, and, and written from a woman's perspective. And now even on Netflix and some of the other non-cable channels, you're seeing shows like Sex Life, which I think is just a brilliant show. And I hope they continue it. And, and also written and, and produced by women with a, with a you know, from a woman's perspective. And, and that's actually when I wrote my erotica book, I wrote it from a woman's perspective, because again, that's another area, romance, erotica, that is very often, although written by women from a male perspective. And I'm like, how do we get to the place where we have women speaking as though they're writing from a man's perspective? Well, that's because the man's perspective has been everywhere, all around us forever, yes. Yes. right? And we've been told that our perspective isn't as important. And that's why I said, I kind of wish people weren't watching porn because that industry in particular is again from a male gaze. So it's coming from the gaze of a man to a woman. And it's not the same as the way we women look at men or any partner really. So I'm hoping, not willing this into the, into the universe right now, that we're going to continue to see a shift to shows that express sexuality and express romance from a woman's perspective. And I think we're starting to see that. I think that's one of the reasons Bridgerton was as, as popular as it was on Netflix. I think you're going to see more and more of that as women move up into executive roles and producer roles within you know, movies and television. So I think it's just a matter of time and I'm hoping the, sh the trend continues <laughs> uh, because I think it's really important. Our voices need to be heard and our way of gazing at the world, not just men, but at the world is something that needs to be shown more often. Well, let's talk about Bridgerton for a minute, because I think that's something that people can relate to. And a lot of people have probably seen that. So how do you see that as more feminine? I just remember the uh, main character when he was making love to uh, his new wife. It just looks very classic and we'll call it thrusting. <laughs> like, it didn't... Well, you know, there had to be some historical perspective on that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't have all of the fanciness that we have today. But I would say that having watched that series and just been very interested in how it all played out, there was a dynamic and there and in the second season as well, there's a dynamic between the characters that is much more modern than one might have expected at the time, right? So you have these two female characters, first season with the, the Duchess now and, and second season with Kate. And both of them have this almost like banter, almost like the patriarchy. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm surrounded by it. I am molded by it. I have been bred to be in it, right? Like they understand their role, but they're also like, pounding at the walls and pounding <laughs> in every way that they can. They're fighting against it and pushing back on that bubble of, of um, patriarchy and misogyny. And so it's kind of refreshing to see that in TV and see women characters. I mean, I again, dating ourselves. I remember the Mary Tyler Moore, Tyler Moore show. Oh, yeah. and, and again, you know, but here's a working woman, you know, bumping up against all of those same values. And so it's just an extension, if you will, into modern TV of that same theme of, mm. of women kind of bucking the system and saying, hey, the system doesn't work 
in all cases. Right. Um, yeah, we see you. Yeah, we can't help it. We're, we're steeped in it. But that doesn't mean that it's the right way to go. Right. How do you think all of this relates to what everybody's always talking about in the spiritual arena, ascension? You know, I'm sure you've encountered discussions on Ascension where everybody has a different opinion. You know, some people are waiting for the mothership to come and get them. <laughs> and I have a friend like that. And waiting then, for the aliens to come and take us all. But anyway. <laughs> yes. And, and save her. She wants to be saved by them. And that's what she thinks Ascension is. And then other people think Ascension is that our energy is expanding at a rapid pace and we're lifting in our vibration and frequency or whatever. But how do you in any way relate this to what you're doing? I do. I think women in pleasure are women in power, right? And when you as a person are feeling pleasure and you are creating pleasure in your life, right? Not just for yourself, but by doing so for others, you're, I guess, if we're going to talk about vibration and energy, you are raising your own vibration, right? You are raising the vibration that you're putting out into the world and therefore, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. And so when you are in pleasure, when you are happy with yourself, and when you are centered within yourself and feel confident within yourself, that radiates out. You don't have to force it. It just happens. And so I think part of our ascension, if you will, energetically or spiritually is really to be fully happy within our, the vessel that we're in. So that's a lot of the body, bodily confidence I talk about, and also fully happy with who we are. And part of being happy with who you are is being who you are, right? (laughs) You can't be someone else and be like, oh, that person over there that I'm not right now is who I'm happy with. Like, no, you have to like embody, I'm happy with this, all of this right now. And so I think that's the ascension that I see of people within the time they have on earth, right? Like we can talk about the, the ethereal realms and what we wish to have happen when the aliens come. But I think what we, <laughs> what we need to see right now is how do we ascend our soul within the vessel that it's in right now, within the patriarchy and the misogyny in which we live, within the systems and structures that we are provided on this planet. So I think that's, you know, how can you ascend within all of that? I love that perspective. The idea that ascension could be fully coming into your own and being who you really are and being authentic about what you want and how you live and what you enjoy. That is something I could actually relate to. And, you know, I mean, as a spiritual person who's always seeking magic and looking for things, I love the idea of having a higher vibe and being able to contact the spirit world in a with a greater access or whatever. What you're saying is so much more practical. I'm a practical person. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am too. So maybe that's why it appeals to me. Let's talk about desire is power. What does that mean to you? Desire, it's a different energy than want. You know, I always tell people, if if you've read the law of attraction, if you've watched the secret, if you've followed any of the, um, that logic, um, abundance mentality, um, they will all tell you, including Think and Grow Rich and, and books even before all of that. They will tell you that the word want has a connotation of, I want it, but I'm not going to get it. I want it, but I can't have it. Whereas desire, especially when you say burning desire, which um, is actually used quite often in the, the book, Think and Grow Witch, which I, I actually worked with that book um, in my money uh, mindset classes. Um, burning desire is there's a fire in my belly and I'm going for it. 
right? I'm not going to stop pursuing that which makes me more. And that doesn't necessarily mean money. A lot of times people think, oh, you know, you teach money mindset. It's not really money mindset as much as it is an energetic alignment with who I meant to be, who I wish to be in the future. And so if that person needs more money, well, that's helpful. (laughs) Money makes us more of who we are, right? But I think really what it comes down to is desire has that essence of movement forward built right into the word, right into the connotation of what it means. And so it's an active word, whereas want is a very passive word. And so I always encourage people to use the word desire far more than they use the word want. <laughs> Not the, you can't eliminate a word completely from your vocabulary, but desire has in it power. And so because the power comes from within, I'm going to go get that thing. I'm going to work towards that situation. I'm going to manifest that in my reality somehow. And you can give up the control to the universe or to whatever deities you um, feel are in charge to make that path clear to you and to come to some clarity on that. But until you feel the burning desire, you're not likely to ask for the help or to look for the path or to notice any of the signs, whether you're on it or not. Yeah. So you have to have the fire in your belly first, that there's something more for you. And then the path starts to become clear. It's not until you have that burning desire that the path clears for you. So what that means to me is passion. Mm -hmm. Burning desire would be having a passion for something. And when you are in that place, I can see how you'd be much more likely to take action. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't just sit idle on a a burning desire. Like it's impossible. And to go back to, you know, just the Bridgerton reference, you know, when you think about the relationships that the series is following, especially season two, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there is a passion between these characters that is an undeniable force pulling them towards each other, right? There's this, I can't get you out of my head and not always positively. Sometimes it's like, ah, you're driving me crazy, right? So there's this passion involved and, and it does spur action. And sometimes that action is, you know, looks crazy to other people. But nonetheless, it's moving you forward towards that desire. And so that's why I like that word so much is it just has so much impact and like the universe is pushing you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, desire, even if you just think about how it sounds when you say the word, Mm -hmm. desire goes up, goes down. It has three syllables. It expands. Desire has a crescendo in it and then comes back as just as a sound. Where want is flat, empty, one syllable, hard. One is fluid and expansive and one is just flat. I never thought about it like that at all, but that is a really good point. And so it really speaks to the energy of the difference of the, between want and desire. It's kind of like, I want a beach house, but I, you know, I'm not going to do what it I takes to get it. A beach house is like, oh yeah, I'm going to go shopping for that right. beach house. Whether I can afford it or not is irrelevant at this moment, but I'm going to go look. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's really interesting. So can you tell me like a magical story of transformation about somebody who did actually tap into and connect with their desire and what happened as a result? I can tell you a collective story. I did have a group of folks that were doing my money mindset course with the Think and Grow Rich book. And we collectively... Four people changed jobs, debt paid down, 
money increased in terms of their income, like just all kinds of like these shifts, energetic shifts of yeah. from a from a lack mindset to an abundance mindset. Yeah. Individual people have reached out to me and said, well, you know, after taking this, I went and did this, you know, I, I took an action step that I probably wouldn't have taken if I hadn't regrouped and really thought about where am I headed? What do I want? You know, what do I really desire to have, do, be, see, you know, experience? And they've taken some huge action steps toward those after having gotten clear about it. So really what I think the biggest piece is, is the, the clarity. You know, we, we walk around in muddy water all the time. You yeah, know? We, we do because life is muddy. Yes. yes <laughs> and it, it throws is. a lot of mud in our direction. But if you can clear the mud away from your eyes long enough to really set a plan in place and to really say, these are the things I deeply desire, not just superficially would like to have, but this is it. Somehow all the mud that gets thrown in your direction is just, you know, windshield wipers on moving forward, you know, like it's not, it doesn't matter as much because yes. you're like, I'm yes. going there. I've had some friends in the past who were so tortured by the fact that they couldn't relate to what their purpose was mm. and they didn't feel clear about their purpose. And so they just struggled with that and were miserable. And sometimes I think that's because you think your purpose has to be some gargantuan thing. Your purpose might be to work in the garden like you do and to be connected to the earth and to make something beautiful. What if that was part of your purpose? Maybe it's not your whole purpose, but so how do you help people who are so disconnected that they don't know what they want? <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. Welcome to the club. I mean, you know, you get to a certain part of your life, right? You've spent your whole life having people tell you what you should be doing. Yeah. Should be going to school. You should be getting good grades. You should get go to college. You should get a good job or start a business. You should get married. You should have kids. There's a million voices yes. screaming at you from the moment you pop out as to what you should do. You get to the point where you're like, I did all that and I'm still not okay where I am. Like I'm still, it, I'm not, this isn't what I wanted. How many of us have gotten to the top of a job, right? And then we're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I thought I was <laughs> signing up for, right, right? Right. And so you get to a point in your life and it's different for everyone. Sometimes it's in your twenties and sometimes it's in your sixties and anywhere in between. And you get to a point and you're like, whoa, timeout. I got to regroup. And I think collectively the COVID-19 pandemic was that like on a global scale, like we're all like, whoa, <laughs> time out. Uh, we need to rethink all this. So I think a lot of people are seeing this shift in themselves right now, but really it comes down to like, how do you want to present for the next 30 years? Like if you've been here 30 or 40 or 50 and you figure you've got 30, 40 or 50 left to go, right? Do you really want the next two or three <laughs> decades to be the same, more of the same, or do you want to just shake the ground and start over? And I think a lot of people get to that point where shaking the ground and starting over is a lot less scary than staying stuck. Okay. And so it requires just trying some new things or? That's a start. I think it, it requires some reflection on, you know, how did I get here? What works and what doesn't? A lot of us are in lives that are working pretty well, but the things that aren't working are so either daunting that we don't know how to handle them or they seem so big that we don't know how to tackle it. And so we don't. And so we're just kind of like staying and stuck. And so I think really it just comes down to like really getting that clarity on, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. 
what would I like to see differently in the doesn't work category that isn't going to blow up the works category? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Because that's the thing we're worried about. Like, we don't want to blow the whole thing up necessarily. I just want these things to be fixed. And then how do we address the fact that we feel a lot of shame and anger and sadness over the parts that don't work? Because here we are adults and we're supposed to know how to do it. And clearly it ain't working in these departments. And so we must be failing. That's kind of what we've been told. Like if you can't get it all together, then you're a failure. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you, join the club because nobody has it all together. Not a single person I've ever worked with or coached or met in my life has everything together on all planes at all times. Well, if Um, you were all together, you wouldn't need to be here anymore. (laughs) Right. That's the point uh, of earth school, right? Earth yeah. school, we're still learning. So like, you're not going to get it all together simultaneously. And so just know that like, okay, I'm going to work on this. In my workshop, the first thing we work on is pleasure and, and sexual desire, because that's my background and that's where I'm comfortable. I know that's not where a lot of people are comfortable, but we, we work on, you know, writing out, this is what I want. <laughs> this, is, this is what it looks like. These are the things I would like to have done to me or do to other people. Like we really get, you know, into the nitty gritty of, of our true sexual desires. Because once you free that and you free the shame around that, there's no shame in saying, I want a better career or I want a better relationship or I want a nicer car. I already wrote all the naughty stuff out. This is all just superficial things at this point, right? So yeah. try to get to the root of it, get the shame out of the way. That is the biggest piece that stops people is they have so much shame over where they are stuck. And if you can move the shame out of the way and say, you are where exactly where you're supposed to be, because now you can look at this and change it consciously. Then they go, oh, oh, you mean I was supposed to end up here? Yeah, that's the low, that's earth school, right? You're supposed to end up here to learn how to change it. And so now you're here. Congratulations. Part one is done. Now we can release the shame over the fact that you got to this point why you have shame in the first place is still a mystery, but you do. And so we'll get rid of that. And then now we can move forward on, this is how you make a new path. And that's, that's all part of the learning. So you have something that you want to offer the listeners? Yeah. For those that are, are feeling frisky, I have a copy of my book, basically written porn for ladies, the best way I can describe it. It's like watching um, Cinemax. Okay. So just okay. know that if you get the book, it's, it's, it's um, not unfiltered also a free sensual clarity session, which is exactly what we've been talking about. Get really clear on what you want, what you desire. And and then we uh, figure out how to take that out to the streets. Well, that sounds very exciting. The Love and Dating Coach, I have done talks on almost anything you can imagine. And I've probably stayed away from sex. But one time I did do a talk on how to fan the flames of desire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's fun when you do it, not for your partner, but for you. Yeah. Like, that's what it was yeah. about. Gas up your own engine. Like, yes. you know, that's exactly <laughs> what it was about. And it makes you feel a little bit more alive and, and see more possibilities. And to think of yourself as a desirable person changes how you move through the world. So the work you're doing is so empowering. Thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and wisdom today, Angel. That was really wonderful. Thanks. This is Ronnie and Ryan, love and cosmic coach. Thanking you for listening today. 
If you'd like cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, a psychic, intuitive, or card reading, or to learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today with an Akashic Records reading, please visit nevertolate.biz. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe and share it with someone that you love. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Ronnie and Ryan hoping you make the most of the love and magic that always surrounds you. Thank you.